Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 123 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne and I'm joined by Connor Hurley, uh, potentially uh, our uh, other co-host, Johnny Cullen, if uh, he makes it back in time from a birthday dinner uh, for his for his father. Uh, we'll see. But right now, just me and Hurls. Uh, Hurls, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, surprising first round of the playoffs, I think, to many. I think uh, no one expected the best regular season uh, team in NHL history to lose in the first round. Um, yeah, but I think we can all rejoice a tiny bit uh so we don't have to deal with boston fans for the rest of the playoffs um and yeah the defending stanley cup champions also also go down to an expansion team in their second year so really really out of the ordinary but also when you think about what the nhl playoffs are you can't be that surprised because this type of thing does happen it seems like a coin flip no matter what the odds or what the matchup is so um interesting to say the least that's for sure yeah and uh obviously um with the way the division, the, the alignment of the divisions are set up, you know, for, you know, they want to create more rivalries in the playoffs and this, that, and the other. I just, you know, I don't think anybody, I mean, Tampa, I mean, I think people would have much preferred to see, you know, uh, different matchups in the first round, but they definitely didn't disappoint. Um, and now at least out in what the West fans are finally going to get what they, you know, what they wanted back in 2015. They're going to get Eichel versus McDavid. Uh, much to the chagrin of us here in Buffalo. So, and Gosh, um, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think of that. He's so out of sight, not a mind. But in reality, yeah. you're getting those two guys in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, first time ever. You know. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I no mean, less like than you said, four games in a row, possibly seven. Yeah, I I think the allure of Eichel. I think that's the reason I didn't, I didn't think of it because the allure. Of, of what he was, at least to us, is, is so much less than it used to be. Um, yep. But even McDavid in that first round, like he wasn't even the best player on his own team. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl stole the show, I think. Uh, and I think he, in a lot of betting markets, is the consummate favorite at this point. Uh, I think he contributed to 95 or 97% of all of the goals scored in that series for the Oilers. Um, everyone thinks of him as second fiddle to McDavid, but he really asserted himself in that series. And um, I mean, if he's going, 
that team is almost unstoppable yeah. if they get if they get any semblance of goaltending whatsoever. So yeah, I mean obviously that'll be that'll be super intriguing. Yeah. Uh, before we do kick things off here, uh, I do have a, a few a few things to say. Um, obviously here in Buffalo, the hockey community it's a very tight knit community. Uh, whether you're rooting for the Sabers, local hockey, rock hockey, whatever it is, as much as it is a football city, this is just as much of a hockey city at heart. Uh, ho- again, hockey, the community is very tight. And a few days ago, I woke up to a lot of posts on Facebook about a former teammate of mine uh, and someone who was really loved by the local hockey community, Stephen Font, uh, you know, passed away. Uh, a guy who, again, I didn't know. Uh, as well as many others did, but just from the reaction uh, that I saw on social media, it hit the community very hard. So I just want to let everybody know and let those who loved him and cared about him most that, you know, you know, we're thinking about him here over at two goalies, one Mike, and just uh, I reached out to a few of the few of those that were close to him, uh, you know, letting him know that we were going to kind of kick things off. And I was going to say a few things about Steve, me personally, uh, my interactions with him, either playing hockey or just, uh, you know, in and around the rinks, he's always seemed like a very up- upbeat guy, very fun loving, um, uh, you know, a guy who uh, always had something positive to say. But one comment that really stuck out to me the most when asked, you know, what can you tell me about, uh, about, you know, Stephen Font, you know, and one thing that is said, it really stuck out to me Uh Dude, he always looked for the pass when he had a nice shot. Kind of sums up the type of guy he was for sure, looking to set you up. Um, that's kind of the impression I've always gotten, uh, at least especially over the past couple of days, of the type of guy Steve was. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that, uh, you know, mental health is definitely something that isn't taken seriously enough Uh not just in hockey or in sports, but just the world in general. And if you ever, ever, ever feel that you need help, you know, I know there is a stigma that surrounds it, especially for men and athletes. Uh, you know, don't ever feel afraid that you can't talk to reach out. Uh, if I know you, you, my, my, you always can reach out to me or Charles. I'm sure you could say the same thing. Uh, just uh, always, always n- never feel afraid to just talk and to, let people know how you're feeling. Unfortunately, uh, there's a stigma around that and too many people have lost their lives because of that stigma. And uh, uh, again, uh, to, to people who knew him best, Matt Dayford, you know, Emily Cook, uh, Jason Flowers, you know, all of you guys who have so many good things to say about Steven. Um, you know, I just want to let you guys know that I'm thinking about you all and I hope you're getting through this tough time. Uh, and I, uh, you know, you guys are my thoughts. So uh, a couple clicks for Steve Font. Uh, you know, you are, are gone, but never forgotten. Uh, and one of the hashtags I've seen around is, uh, you know, hashtag 78 forever. Uh, so uh, there is a GoFundMe um, out there for, for Steve and his family and his daughter. I will post that later for anybody who wants to contribute and, you know, help them out with obviously what's to come. And, uh, you know, I will post that later, uh, in the thread for this episode and a couple times here throughout the week. So, uh, again, Steve, you're in our thoughts and, uh, you know, rest easy, my friend. So, um, obviously, uh, 
you know, I, and I, another thing, Steve, I think, you know, he, he, he loved hockey. He loved the Sabres and, um, you know, transitioning from that. I think I'm, he above all would be loving what's going on right now in the playoffs. Uh, and we'll get right into that now. Um, going right into obviously the, one of the matchups, I think that us as Buffalo Sabres fans uh, probably had a vested interest is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I wouldn't say upsetting the Tampa Bay lightning, but Tampa Bay has been a juggernaut uh, for a long time and uh, put up a fight. But uh, I think all the hockey they've paid, played over the last four or five years uh, really got the best of them and Toronto credit to them. They played a phenomenal series. So just your thoughts on that Hills. Yeah. I mean, they finally did it. Unfortunately, the Sabres now have the uh, longest drought of winning a playoff series for an right. NHL team now, which is uh, I think 12 years. Um yeah. But yeah, uh, or no, it's since 2007. So yeah, be 07. We're at 12 years, I think. Yeah, I think it's 12. Well, that would be longer than 12 years. Either way, that's unfortunate. Uh, but they finally did it, and they should have. This was the year that they should have done it. Um, like you said, the the Lightning had played a lot of hockey. Or no, they made, they made they made the playoff. Well, yeah, winning a playoff round, but they made the playoffs. I believe was it in 2009 2000? and 2011. So yeah. I so, think it's a little yes. bit longer, yeah. In terms of winning a playoff run, yes, to be 07. It's been a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they should have won the series. They were favored. They are, are the better team, and they finally did get some goaltending from Sam Sonoff. So I think that this might be the catapult they needed to finally make some noise, and they have a pretty favorable matchup. Uh, that Panthers-Bruins series was brutal. They yeah. really went at, at each other. It was a physical series. There were a couple overtime games, uh, especially in game seven, two nights ago. So um, I know that game's going on as we speak, uh, and the Panthers are actually up one nothing. But it's going to be very difficult, and I think emotionally, mentally, for the Panthers to recover from beating the greatest regular season team in the history of the league. Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to actually no. do it. I, I think if you really looked into it, it's not as surprising as, as many people think, given the fact that they vastly underperformed in the regular season. And a season ago, they were the best team in the regular season in the NHL. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did put up a really good fight, maybe six or seven games, but the Leafs should win. And aside from the Oilers and I think maybe the Stars right now, they are one of the favorites to win the Cup. Uh, I think they're the favorite to come out of the East um, because the Hurricanes don't look like the team that they should be at this point. No, the Hurricanes definitely do not look like the team that you know was so tough to play against in the regular season yeah. uh, they do not look like a rod Brindamore coached hockey team right now no, uh, no sure. that's 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 the style of game they play and if they don't have that they've lost their identity yeah. so. they're, they're a very good defensively sound hockey team you know you saw it with goalies that they've had there in the past who moved on beyond care you know away from carolina uh it's a very goalie friendly system that rod Brindamore runs and uh, they, I think they've just gotten very away from the system there, uh, which isn't, it's just the worst possible time for that to happen. For sure. Um, so, I mean, in that, and they obviously get to get past the Panthers, but it's setting up really nicely for the Leafs. Um, even the Devils, like that, that seven game series with the Rangers, like you knew that series was going to seven games uh, and it was very physical, very tough. And that young team figured it out. I mean, I'm personally, Really rooting for Lindy Ruff. I think it's it's pretty amazing what he's, he's done with that group. 
Uh, how could you not? Yeah. And yeah, how can you not want Akira Smeen, who I've never even heard that name before, before that series. And he posts two shutouts in six games. I just, it, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to accomplish, especially against a Rangers team that was supposed to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. The two teams that sold out the most at the deadline that were preparing for this postseason specifically over the past like two or three seasons, both bow out in the third round, uh, in the first round. So, um, yeah, it's setting up really nicely for some of these young teams to actually make some noise. Yeah, and um, one thing, too, I want to touch on with the uh, Toronto series, at least, um, you know, is for the first time in how many years, uh, and we talked about this, you know, we'll we'll play the interview with Jason, or not Jason, uh, Justin Bourne uh, later on, is that uh, Vasilevsky looked human, you know, and we talked about it in length, you know, which you know we won't do now, but um, I think a big reason why Toronto had so much success, it wasn't for a lack of ability from Anders, you know, Andres Vasilevsky. Um, I think it really was that, especially with the absence of Hedman for one game, I'm pretty sure he was playing, he definitely playing through that injury. Uh, I think they even uh, commented on that today and yeah, and yesterday, uh, but with the absence of Sarnak, the traffic in front of Vasilevsky, I've never seen anything like that in terms of how easily Toronto was able to really obstruct his ability to see the play and see pucks, especially with the point. I think I want to say eight or nine of their 19 goals came on deflections in front, which is insanity because, I mean, us as goalies, that's the most difficult, you know, no, almost no goalie can react in proper enough time for a deflection in that close. Um, and I think, you know, Toronto did it at, you know, at will, you know, getting pucks to the net and getting deflections, getting bodies in front of Vasilevsky, you know, him never really having a clear line of sight to the point. You know, I think that's really why they were able to win that series the way they did is because it's not for a lack of talent from Tampa Bay. I mean, they're loaded. It was just, they did everything right below the dots. Yeah. And you don't typically see that from a team like the Maple Leafs. Uh, they're, no usually thought of as this finesse team that plays up at the dots and doesn't get into the house as much as you'd want them to. And it's probably the reason they haven't succeeded in the first round of the playoffs in the past 17 years. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they got that type of player. Now they got Ryan O'Reilly who lives in front of the net. He's unbelievable at tipping shots directly in front. And a lot of these guys that you don't normally expect that type of game from are really selling out to do so. So it's, a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good coaching job. Uh, they're specifically targeting that area. And especially in this Panthers series, like the goaltending is kind of up in the air. Obviously, Brubrovsky uh, started the last six games of the series against the Bruins, but um, you never really know what you're going to get with him. Uh, no. He's not the most consistent guy. He can steal a game every now and then, but um, if, when it comes to consistency and solid yeah. play, like you, you can't really trust him as much as you if can. If they allow Bob to get into a rhythm and get into, you know, the guy we've seen in the past when he is playing at a high level, I think uh, Toronto is going to be in trouble because uh, I wouldn't want to deal with playoff Bob. Not a chance. Um, well, he's fourteen to fourteen tonight, so good start. Yeah, it's one nothing right now, correct? Yeah, good start. Yeah. Halfway through the second. Um, yeah, if if he gets on a roll and gets in the zone, like. He's as talented as any goalie in the league. Hundred uh, percent. It's it's always just been consistency and controlling rebounds and figuring it out on a over over the course of a long period for him. So yeah. if he's able to do that, that could that could be really really difficult for the Maple Leafs. 
Cousins with the goal uh, for Florida, Chachuk and Sam Bennett with the assists. Uh, the wrong Cousins, the Cousins we don't care about. Uh, yeah, the correctly spelled Cousins. The correctly yeah, spelled Cousins, yes. yeah. The workhorse from Whitehorse. But, yeah, I, I you know, that, that lineup in Florida is so stacked, girl, so stacked. Yeah. Chachuk's on the second line. You have a 100-plus point player on your second line. It's crazy. Top line, the top line, I think, is uh, who's centering? Uh, it's they're centering Verhage. Yeah, Barkov centering Verhage, and I want to say maybe Duclair. Yeah, that sounds. And good. then Reinhardt is on the third line. <laughs> Sam Reinhardt. That's a guy yeah. who again, who again, we just spoke on that getting in front of the goaltender. That's mm-hmm. where Sam Reinhardt is at his best, sitting in top of the blue paint and making life a living hell for goaltenders, getting puck, yeah. sticks on pucks, getting, getting in shooting lanes. You know, he, he's made his career on doing that, you know. And, and look at Brandon Montour, five goals in the first in the first yeah, round. He started. Uh, former Sabre, Brandon Montour, who we never should have gotten rid of. Um, no. you, everyone keeps saying how perfect of a, a partner he would be with Owen Power. Um, it, oh, it, it, would, it would be incredible if we had if we had brandon montour all season last year we would be in the playoffs yeah for sure um he's that he's that type of player that i mean he's capable of scoring five goals as a defenseman uh he's so skilled and he's probably one of the best skating defensemen in the league so um yeah it's tough to see that uh but they did recruit some assets for him and with Sam Reinhardt, obviously Devin Levi came back so it's not all doom and gloom in terms of, of watching the panthers right now so yeah um, it's, it is pretty amazing to think about the fact that they barely snuck into the playoffs with all of this talent, but they had some injuries. They had some shakeups to do, obviously that massive trades, which seems to have worked out really well for them and not for the flame sending, uh, well, sending Huberto and getting back Kachuk. Uh, what a steal that is. You uh, saw Dale Sutter get, get canned. Uh, was it yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Flames uh, are going up in flames once again. Uh, yeah, so. and, and Huberto was pretty outspoken about it. He said that he wasn't the player he's always been because, yeah. and we, we, we know this story here in Buffalo with Ralph Kruger, you know, his, the system he was playing doesn't benefit his skill set. and yeah. you know, whoever they bring in there, you know, there is, there is a lot of talent still, still in Calgary. Uh, if they can figure that out, that is a talented hockey team. So, um, sure. you know, we'll see what happens, but uh yeah and another thing too uh when you go out west you see seattle upset the defending stanley cup champions i know they didn't have landis cog i think kadri was out too right um well they don't have kadri anymore is what i'm yep. saying uh like they did last year um uh i believe kale mccart has been playing hurt uh, for- uh he was suspended for one game i know that and i yeah, yeah i mean basically half that team was hurt the entire year yeah. I think they really were feeling the effects of that uh, that cup run uh, last year. Um, so yeah, sometimes that happens, especially with a team like Colorado, like this finesse team with all these skill guys and and not a lot of jam. So yeah, Matthew Nyes just scored for Toronto first first crew NHL uh, playoff goal. Wow! So we got a tie game at one one to one, uh, Florida and Florida and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I think that's going to be a really interesting series, hundred mm-hmm. percent. For sure. We'll see if Samsonov can keep up, you know, pick up where he left off in the first round against Tampa. And hopefully we get playoff Bob. And actually, no, I don't want either goalie to be good. I just want this to be a, a series where you pick the over every single game. Yeah, that was popular tonight, but one to one in the second isn't necessarily um, what you'd expect from that, but it'll probably open up. These teams aren't necessarily the most defense defensively minded squads. Nope. So 
Yep. And uh, again, I just, uh, I look out West, you know, again, I see Seattle Kraken beating the avalanche. Uh, are they the next Vegas golden Knights who, you know, went to the finals in their, in their inaugural year? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're as talented, but they're definitely a team that's going to be dealt with, especially how far they are underneath the salary cap. Um, you know, Grubauer has played well. I think it's kind of like a poetic that they, you know, he was the goalie that knocked uh, Colorado out of the first round. Uh, a lot of fun there. Um, and then we get the, and you know, again, you mentioned it beforehand that you'd even think of it. We're getting the uh, Vegas, uh, the uh, Eichel versus McDavid matchup for at least four games uh, in the first round here uh, out West. So, That'll be interesting to watch too. Um, we all know who us in Buffalo here are gonna be rooting against. That's for sure. Uh, down goes Vegas, hopefully. But uh, just your thoughts on those matchups out west? I think uh, Seattle is not your your typical expansion team. I, I think Vegas back in uh, I think it was 2018, 2019, they had a lot of talent come over. They had a lot of guys who could put the puck in there. Obviously, Alex Tuck was on the team. They had March or so. They had Carlson. They had a lot of really skilled guys, whereas Vegas is like this team all year. They didn't have a guy uh, produce at a point, point per game. Uh, yeah, Seattle all year. They didn't have a guy produce at a point per game rate the entire season. They just have a lot of role players like Jaden Schwartz, Jordan Eberle, all these guys. I mean, Matthew Beniers has been amazing as a rookie. They have these guys that play a very physical and responsible game, and their defense has been really, really good. Obviously, Grubauer had a down first year, but it seems like he's responded really well. And like you said, going up against his former team always helps. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that they're the type of team that could potentially make some noise. The only uh, difficulty for them is that I think the Stars are actually really, really good. Uh, they are a veteran team yes. and they play a similar type of game to Seattle, but they also have superstars. Jason Robertson is probably the most underrated player in hockey. He shouldn't be for those that actually really know the game, but his name isn't up there with the Kachucks and the McDavid's and the Pasternak's and the dry sidles, just because he's still relatively young. and This is his second year of doing it. And obviously you still have Jamie Ben and Joe Pavelski and all these guys that have produced for the past 10 years. So yeah, I, I think the stars could be a sneaky, sneaky team to get to the cup final. They, yep. and they also have probably the best goalie left in the playoffs in Jake Ottinger. Um, I love watching Ottinger play. Yeah. Man. He's, he's so amazing. He's incredible. He's got the size. He's got I'm the position. Um, he's got the reaction skills. He's got everything you want in a goalie and he's young and he can do these, uh, every other night games with ease. So that's something to think about. Um, especially if it's ends up being, uh, Dallas and Edmonton, um, can Jake Ottinger steal you another series? He almost did it last playoffs. I think he had a game where he had upwards of 60 saves in a double overtime game. So yeah, we'll see what happens there, but if I had to give the slight advantage to any team in the West, it, it aside from Edmonton, it, it's probably Dallas, just because of the depth they have up and down the lineup in the goaltending. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And again, just they're a very physical team too. Um, they always kind of have been. Uh, they're, I wouldn't say they're built for the playoffs in terms of physicality, but they're not afraid to get dirty, uh, to get hairy, and uh, definitely, um, I'll never root for the Dallas Stars ever. Yeah. But Absolute they, nightmare cup final would be Dallas versus Toronto. No, oh my God. God, that would be horrible. Or Vegas versus Toronto. Yeah, either one would, would be really brutal. Um, well, I, I don't think I'd watch. I don't think I'd watch. I would watch. I don't think I'd watch. I would, I would watch with a snarl on my face. Uh, 
But yeah, it's uh, we'll see what happens. I, I personally don't think Toronto's going to do it. I just <laughs> I I, can't, I just can't picture it happening. Um, yeah, hopefully the the Panthers will make it easy on us. Yeah, and um, again, I I uh, it's it's cool too that you know you're not going to get your a team that's going to win the cup this year. That it's been a while for all the teams remaining. It's been a long time since they've won a cup. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're so used to seeing Tampa in the mix. You're so used to seeing Pittsburgh in the mix or Boston in the mix. They're all either, they didn't make it or they're just out of it entirely. So, you know, it will be a fun, uh, you know, again, I'm not a guy who, again, I, it's hard for me. I won't say it's hard for me to get invested into the playoffs because I love hockey but I think with this year, how good the Sabres were, or you know how surprising they were to an extent, I was so invested in them making the playoffs. It makes it a little bit more tougher for me to, I guess, be as invested as I have in the past of the playoffs because I'm just still just like, you know, fuck man, it should have been us. We shouldn't be there. But um, I think if I'm, you know, we start we kick the show off. If I'm going to hitch my wagon to anybody, it's definitely the New Jersey Devils. Just because if there's any former Saber that's out there right now that I want to see win a cup. 1,000% it's Lindy Ruff because I think right now he's the winningest, most most winningest active coach out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame coach, but I think he puts himself in a, a, a different level of coaches if he finally does win a cup. And sure. I mean, if he wins a cup, I think he puts he's himself in that conversation. He's definitely sure. in the conversation as a Hall of Famer, for sure. Yeah, and um, I, I think he might already be. I mean, with his longevity and the team yeah. that he's taken to, to – obviously all those Sabres teams, but I don't know. I, I really do think that he's a very underrated coach and has been for a long time. The, th- the thing that I'm most impressed with, because obviously you go back to when he started his career with Buffalo behind a bench in 97, 98, his first year behind the Sabres bench, how hockey has changed between just a style of play, the rules, and obviously just the, the culture of player that you're dealing with, the personalities. You know, a lot of people tend to think that, Sometimes you have to be more of a player-friendly coach nowadays. You can't be a guy who goes in the locker room, calls out players, and throws throws stuff at the walls and th- tips a table over. You know, some you know you can't do that sometimes. I guess with today's players, and I don't know how true that is at that level. Um, you know, I, I consider myself different in terms of a player. Um, you know, I guess again, you know, me being thirty-five, you being a age you are. I don't know how you would react or how you would take that type of coaching, but Lindy's kind of had to navigate through all these different areas of hockey and adjust his coaching style and to be still be successful. Cause this time last year, people wanted him out of New Jersey. They yeah. were, they, they, they were, they were chanting at games, fire Lindy. Um, I think there was a, we're sorry, Lindy chant at, in, at, in, uh, in New Jersey this year, even sorry. Like they, the fans apologized to him chant in the form of chant. At a home game this year, when I think they were on that heater, what was it? They were uh, on a on a winning streak or something, weren't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, and it was like twelve or thirteen games. Yeah, yeah nuts. Jack Hughes was absolutely on fire, um, but yeah, I, I'm impressed how well he's been able to navigate through these different eras of hockey and still be successful. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, he's, he's got one of the younger teams in the league now. Like you yeah. have your superstars, 21 years old. You've got. All these guys, like obviously Nico Hughes we don't even think of him as like a recent number one overall pick, oh. but like he's not that long ago either. I read a quote from from Lindy today just talking about coaching in, in generality. And he says, like, put down your notebook, like get to know your players, talk to them, like figure out like who they are as people before 
get diving deep into the analytics or the X's and O's uh, of the game. And it, like you said, like it does seem like he's changed his personality quite a bit. He's yeah. a lot calmer than he used to be. That's for sure. <laughs> he's not leaning over the bench to yell at Brian Murray, uh, which was valid. And I'm glad that he did. That. Valid, yeah. And I'm sure he still would if he really needed to, but in his older years. And I think like, like you said, like he's dealing with Gen Z kids. Like he's dealing with kids that like grew up with like, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin is their favorite players. Like yep. he's been around coaching in this league way before they were even born. And for him to adapt to today's game and to the, today's sensibility of these younger guys, it's really incredible. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's worked out. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I was, I wanted to say Jen, uh, what generation one, I couldn't think of it. I'm glad you said it. Cause I, I, you know, Jen, I don't even know what generation I'm considered, man. I don't even care. You're probably a millennial if you're 35. I was, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I was 87 birth years. So. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely a millennial. A millennial? Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, every 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 different generation gets blamed for the way things are. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, like all I know is, you know, when I was when I was a younger kid, you know, first growing into hockey. You know, we were climbing trees and playing cat's cradle the pastime, and nowadays you can't walk by a kid that doesn't have his head buried in a cell phone. So watching hockey highlights on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's cool though. I, I really hope they, it seems like they have a pretty good matchup. Uh, like we said with the hurricanes, like losing Max Pacioretty, I think was a bigger loss than people think. Yes. And uh, their goaltending in their defense isn't quite what we hold that standard to. And they're not getting much production from their top lines and Sebastian Ajo and Martin, Martin Natchez and, all these guys that we've we've uh, come to expect points from. So yeah, I think they have a, a pretty good situation themselves. Uh, a Leafs, a Leafs Devils Eastern Conference Finals would be absolutely electric. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, did I'm looking forward to how they do. Did the did the first round matchup of the Rangers Devils live up to every expectation? I think so. I mean, given the fact that it started two nothing, like four straight road wins, uh, a couple shutouts here and there. I mean. Game seven wasn't great, but at the same time, like for the home team to finally do it and get a shutout at home in front of their home fans, like the the geographic rivalry there was so cool, obviously, because like you have these Devils fans that haven't had success in a long time. And the Rangers have been so good recently, but haven't been able to get over the hump. Um, I thought so. I was I was pretty entertained by it. I mean, obviously, it was kind of a low scoring series, but just with the the drama of it all, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. And um, do you think Gerard Gallant is out? In the next couple of days, I, I've seen that thrown around a lot. You you kind of went all in at the deadline. You went out, you got Vlad Tarasenko. You went out, you got uh, Patrick Kane. You made the moves to try and put yourself in a position to be a cup contender, and you lose in seven in the first round to you know division rival the New Jersey Devils, who are honestly is equally as dangerous offensively. They just are. Um, yeah. And you have this goaltender Schmidt that comes out of nowhere and plays like a brick wall. Um, and two, like you said, two shutouts. I uh, I don't know if Gallant's job is safe. He could be on the on the chopping block here in a day I, or two. I think he got a raw deal in Vegas, to be honest. 100%. And uh, I, I do think he's a good coach. Um, I wouldn't put it necessarily all on him. I just think they were kind of slow. They're a little bit older. Obviously, everyone's older compared to the Devils. But I just, I don't know. They They didn't seem like they had the chemistry that they needed. Obviously they brought in a lot of guys at the deadline, Tarasenko and Kane, who are both older, 
and they were hoping that would put, push, push them over the edge. And they didn't have bad series, but at the same time, like, wasn't necessarily all that they needed. I mean, you can't blame it on Shesterkin, that's for sure. No, um, you have arguably the best goalie in the league, and that's partially why I picked them to win this series. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely inspiring a little bit more of a youth move, movement there. Obviously, their their youth line um, with uh, Heedle and Lafreniere, and uh, I forget the other guy, Capocacco. Obviously, they need to produce a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's just like. That's not what you expect from a number one overall pick. I think um, personally, I think that he might be gone. Yeah, I, I mean, gosh, it's he's remember been, when he was untouchable in the Jack Eichel debacle? Yeah, I mean, was, so was so was Kako, and so oh, were a lot of which was my so a lot of these guys. Like, it's just what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, you need more production out of them, and just in general, I think they need to just revamp that entire roster. The defense is obviously very good. Like, you have two of the better defenders in the game, and Miller and Adam Fox and uh, Troop is a great captain. So, yeah, yeah it, they're not far off. Um, and as long as they have Shesterkin, who's in his prime and he will be for, for the next like three to four years, I think they'll always have a chance. But they need to do a couple things to figure it out. You, you kind of look back at all that, too, and just all the smoke around the players that Buffalo was trying to get out of the Rangers when they're when that one like the Eichel to the Rangers thing, it almost seemed like it was happening. And all the new, oh, this guy's on top. Like, you kind of look back at that, and then you look at the deal we got from Vegas. It was like, holy shit, man. Could you imagine if we end up making that deal with God. the Rangers? How pissed off we'd all be right now. Yeah, for sure. Almost like any other deal that was, aside from the Matthew Kachuk one that was like briefly thrown out there. I don't know if that was ever yeah. real. Thanks, Kevin Weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be the only one that potentially could have been better than what we got. Um, but no, thankfully we can sleep peacefully knowing that Alex yeah. Tuck is as good or better than Jack Eichel. And that's all you really need to know. Yeah. And you know, the one thing about Alex Tuck that we always used to see before he came to Buffalo was obviously when he was at Minnesota, that shootout movie played in practice, it was like a running highlight for years because it was filthy, but, uh, and then a celebration walking by the bench afterwards, you know, now there's more about his career that, uh, you know, he's lived up to, and he's lived up to the hype that he was drafted with. So uh, again, I couldn't be happier with the leader. Just the leader that we got in that deal. uh, We're going to see him in the the world championships coming up. Yes. He's going to be playing with his brother. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be really cool. It's the first time he's played for the U S U S team in a long time. Um, So yeah, I mean, I typically never watch because there's really not not much reason to. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a few other guys um, that play for I know Casey, Casey has declined to go because um, he wants to stay healthy, which I appreciate that because that's one Smart. thing. With. Yeah, so. Um, and obviously, I, I assume players have been dealing, you know, 82-game season, you're dealing with a lot. You know, I, I, I think you'd be lying. Every single player in that team would be lying, maybe except for Devin Levi who would come out of the last season and say that they weren't dealing with some type of ailment, you know, it's a long, it's a long hockey season and sure. everybody deals with bumps and bruises along the way. But, uh, you know, and, uh, we got some Sabres news today too. Um, they Sabres signed a Russian, uh, entry level deal. I'm trying to pull up his name and his exact. Victor Noichev. Noichev. Yes. Out of the KHL 12 points this past season in the KHL. But he's 19 years old and he's playing in a league with men. You kind of look at those numbers. I know he's a third round pick. You're like, well, this kid's nothing. Trust me, he's over there playing playing with full grown adults as a 19 year old. 
you can't ever expect the numbers to really jump out at you. Maybe like the way Yuri Kulik has out here in the AHL is uh, an 18 year old, but you know, he's playing with very well seasoned professionals over there. A lot of former NHLers that play over in the KHL. Um, so again, maybe you don't see, feel like it's overly impressive, but as a 19 year old, I mean, there's still a lot to build there. So For sure. here. Um and like even getting Russian signed in this day and age in this geopolitical climate is yep. a very tall task. So for them to do that as quickly as they have, obviously we just drafted him this past season is a very positive step in the right direction. Um, that uh, along with a defenseman, I think Novikov, uh, he just refused a deal in the KHL within the past week. So he potentially could be coming soon. Uh, I had a friend describe him to me as the Russian Samuelson. So I imagine he's awesome. a, a bigger stay-at-home guy, uh, right-handed shot D, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously having someone like that either in Rochester and in a couple of years, hopefully eventually up in Buffalo would be great. So, yeah, I mean, and then there's uh, Poltipov as well, the other Russian prospect. Komarov, there's Komarov, who's playing with the Quebec Ramparts right now. Um, I think in terms of highly touted defensive prospects after Ryan Johnson, he's up there. Um, big, big kid, big defenseman. Yep. Um Kiskakov, is he a defense? They're so they they went pretty Russian heavy the last couple of drafts. Yeah, Kiskakov, I don't think he is. I could be I don't wrong. Think he's, no, he's not a defenseman. Yeah. But speaking of Ryan Johnson, still not signed yet. I feel like every day that goes by, like, I mean, I feel I feel more and more less and less uh confident that they're gonna get that done because I mean, what more what how much more thinking do you need to do? You've For had sure. all season to think about it. You've had I just think he's gone. At this point. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily blame him. Uh, we talked about it when we had uh, when we had Ryan and um, and Walton. He sees what the Sabers already have on defense uh, with Darlene and Power and Samuelson as you're locked in top three for the next ten plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably looking at his his potential with this team and being like, hey, like I'm definitely not going to be one of the top two defensemen. I might be the third, but there's Samuelson as well. And what type of role am I going to have on this team? So that's difficult. And it's it sucks in the sense that, like, of course, you want to sign your first round prospects. But at the same time, like, it also lets you know where the Sabres are as a franchise um, in terms of what the future is and in terms of how much potential they have on the back end. So I don't think it's the end of the world. And obviously, they would recoup a draft pick if he doesn't sign. Um, and then that also, uh, leads, leaves another opening to go out and get a, an, uh, a free agent this off season. So I think you can look at it in a bittersweet type way, but you could also, uh, just be like, Hey, you understand you no, can't, no. you can't get them all. And then you just go and figure it out. If you're Kevin Adams or you now you're not Kevin Adams. Are you trying to sign that guy to maybe, you know, in free agency, or do you look at this draft as an opportunity to, you know, you're probably drafting between 10. I'm not sure if it's been declared when the Sabres will be drafting. Um, but it's probably going to be between 10 and 15. Is that a situation where instead of maybe spending or throwing a bunch of money at a free agent, maybe you use that first round pick for an established top pair defenseman? Yeah, but at the same time, like that top pair defenseman is that's going to be drafted. Like we're probably going for like the 15th or 16th pick. Yeah. Like those guys don't play for two to three years. So yeah. 
It's hard to say. Like you, you I, want somebody to come in now. It's going to help. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Like I think I think they absolutely have to sign a defenseman this offseason. Yeah. Um, to get the the defense to to the point where we're all a lot more confident. Well, no, I, I wasn't saying I wasn't saying draft a guy there. I'm saying trade that pick for a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's what it's I'm saying. Like instead of throwing a bunch of money at a free agent, because you know you always tend to overpay people in free for agents. Sure. Maybe you find a guy on a relatively manageable contract, uh, you know, whoever that might be, and hey, here's 13 overall. You know, I mean, I've I've mentioned Rasmus Anderson a few times, uh, yeah. but I that think we talk about him, Rackle Gudas. Yeah, uh, I think that could be exactly the type of situation that you do because, like you said, like we're in a spot now that the playoffs are the expectation next season. Yeah, it would be a pretty massive failure if, if they're, uh, if they're not in it. So I think you at least have to consider it first, second round picks. Uh, Cause anything beyond a second round pick doesn't really have much of a chance to make it to the NHL. It's very, very low percentages. So yeah, like I, I think he's definitely Kevin M's definitely has to be considering that uh, given all of the capital they already have and the prospect pool that already exists from these seven, eight plus years of just drafting, 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 like they're well, finally in a position to succeed. So they have to take advantage of it. I don't know, you know, what's happened. I mean, we, like it was a 10 minutes ago, we updated the score. It's now 3-2 Panthers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he just scored. Oh, that's what Panthers Flood, the floodgates are open. Yes. We remember we talked about, you know, hit the over, hit the over. Uh, if the uh, NHL Watcher uh, account is correct, he just tweeted out, because I subscribed to him, that Verhage just scored to put Florida up 3-2. to two. So goals for Florida from Sam Bennett, Cousins, and Verhage. And then Toronto from Bunting and Matthew Nyes, who was assisted, uh, an Arizona kid, scoring his first career NHL playoff goal, assisted by another Arizona kid from from Austin Matthews. I don't know if that's that's ever happened before uh, in the NHL. But, you know, uh, ties to the Arizona hockey market, so to speak. So It's a hotbed these days. Yeah, right? So, um. Again, what matchup are you obviously most interested in? You know, like, you know, before we kick it over to Justin, the uh, interview we did this morning with Justin Bourne, like what, what, what's, what's caught your eye the most? What matchup are you most interested in watching? And, um, you know, outside of New Jersey, you know, who are you rooting for out of the West? I think it's gotta be Edmonton and, and Vegas. I mean, now that you've reminded me of McDavid, McDavid recycle, but even in the sense that it's McDavid and Dreisaitl and uh, a team in Vegas that obviously has gotten really close so many times and they haven't gotten over the hump, but it seems like they're finally hitting their stride at the right moment right now. Um, And I honestly think for the good of the league and also the entertainment and the visibility of it, I would love to see Connor McDavid in a Stanley cup final. I think uh, he above all people deserves it. And the team around him is finally playing to a level that could support him to do it. Uh, I really believe that it would be the best possible thing for the visibility of hockey, especially going up against the uh, NBA playoffs right now, all of the NHL free agency news, um, everything else for the superstar of the league, the best player in all four major professional sports uh, to be at the pinnacle of the sport, not necessarily win it, just get there and be, have the most uh, eyeballs on him as possible. So yeah, how much does hockey just in general wish that matchup was happening in the Eastern conference and not as far out, far out West as you can get. So games are, aren't getting starting until like late at night when people just want to go to bed. 
for uh, sure. Thankfully, not for me. Uh, not for game me. started yes, 37. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so I will be watching. Um, and I think a lot of people, that's the thing. Like, he's must-see television. Um, and as with Drysaddle is right now. So, yeah, I, I would love to see that. And uh, like I said, I think Stars potentially could be a really, really tough test for them. Um, and who knows what will happen with the Kraken, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to see Edmonton. And I think that series with the, with the Golden Knights is going to be really entertaining. I want to see, I want to see friggin' Connor McDavid just shit all over the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, absolute sweep. McDavid has friggin' 10 points in four games and, you know, Voldemort doesn't have a single point in the first four games. That'd be fantastic. That's what he, I would expect. He who must not be named. He, he who must not be named. We, we don't have to mention his name ever again on this. Podcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we will, but yeah, yeah, never in a good, positive way. So, uh, with that said, we're gonna kick it over to my interview earlier today with Justin Bourne from Sportsnet. Uh, had a lot of fun with him. Um, great guy, a returning guest. And, uh, you know, had a lot of great insight, especially on the Toronto series, a guy who comes from that area up in Ontario. Um, we'll kick it over to him. Uh, guys, thanks for hopping on with us. Curls, you know, it's always a pleasure. We're going to kick it over to uh, Justin Bourne now. So. Welcome everybody to episode 123 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, joined by the author of Down and Back on Hockey, Alcoholism, and Family. Um, you know, analyst for Sportsnet, former coach Justin Bourne. Thanks, bud, for coming on again. It's been a long time, um, but glad to see you're doing well, and thanks for making the time. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Um before we really get into it, can you, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pump your, I'll pump your book here a little bit. Um, anything you really want to say on that? Uh, anything you really want to promote in with, with that or where can people, yeah. if they want to read it? Yeah. You know, it's, you know, anywhere good books are sold, I think is what I'm supposed to say, but it's, um, you know, I, I would say depending on your interest, the first half of that book is ho a hockey book. You know, it's a lot of my story and my journey through the, the ranks and my experiences with all the things that come with pro hockey culture. And then the back half of the book is sort of the aftermath a little bit. And uh, it got away from me for a little while. So it's a story about trying to get life back on track and the struggles that a lot of people deal with in their families, whether themselves or people close to them, you know? Yeah. And, you know, um, just kind of like reading the cliff notes here a little bit on the book. Um, obviously, alcoholism plays a big part in that. I We've had on Clint Malarchuk on this show a couple of times. And obviously, I'm sure you know his story. Have you read his book? I haven't read his book, but I'm familiar with the story. Uh, yeah, the old, it, it, it in part has to do with his uh, article in the Players Tribune a few years ago. Um, very good advocate, you know, for mental health awareness and obviously yeah. you know, a better, healthier you. Um, so I'll definitely, I'm definitely going to order that uh, for sure. Thanks, give, that, give that a look for sure. Um, because that stuff always interests me because I think we all have demons that we deal with. And I think people who like, especially myself, I've been pretty open about this is that we're very good at putting masks on yeah. for the best actors. So people don't really realize um, 
when you are dealing with something because you're always maybe, you know, you always have that mask on, you're being a good actor. And that's one of the things that Clint Malarchuk really compared the way he handled himself back then and how many people didn't really yeah. know that he was struggling. We become good actors. And I uh, just do want to take a moment here too, uh, to send my uh, thoughts and, you know, my thoughts out to the family of Steve, Stephen Font. Uh, now that we've you know kind of touched on that, uh, uh, a hockey player here locally who, uh, did lose his life recently due to his uh, battle with mental health and uh, yeah. just my thoughts and my thoughts go out to him and his friends and family, a big part of the hockey community here in Buffalo. So, um, you know, a couple, you know, a couple clicks for him and, uh, and hopefully that, uh, you know, the people that loved him most are doing well and, you know, you know, getting through this tough time. So sure. um, with, that, with that being said, uh, I do want to get right into uh after night was it 18 years 18 years of toronto maple Leafs finally get over that first round hump um you know much the chagrin of outside market fans like myself here in buffalo i uh i always rooted for the leafs to just blow it up you know and just to you know of course just be a dumpster fire pretty much yeah. and, uh you know the the night david Ayers happened that was one of the funnest nights ever in terms of hating the leafs and right. Um, but I, I, as a Sabres fan, who's dealt with now 12 years of no playoffs, a Bills fan who's dealt with 17 years, a 17 year playoff list drought. Um, I'm happy for Leafs fans. I really, really am. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm very empathetic to that struggle. I'm very empathetic to the misery of having your season end so early, either, you know, if, you know, in the first round or not at all in the playoffs. So. I'm very I'm happy for a lot of the diehards out there, especially. Um, just I just wanted to uh, kind of touch on you how they were able to get over that hump, how they were able to make get past that. You know, as you uh, quoted in your art, your latest article uh, on Sports Night, the Vassy factor. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, how how do they get that done? And you know, how do they match up going forward with the Florida Panthers? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the things that hadn't gone right for them in playoffs in the past, worked in their favor a little bit. You know, they had never had a series where their goaltender had the higher save percentage at the end of it. This is the first time in the past seven years. And like, oh, wow, they find, you know, Vasilevsky struggled a little bit and that, you know, they end up with the better goaltending in the critical game and they get the win. That's a huge part of it. You know, to their credit, one thing they did in this series that they maybe didn't do as well in past years was just getting to that area that makes goalies' lives hard. You know, yeah. like they tipped in. I don't know how many pucks, but I know through four games, they had had eight goals on screenshots. You know, the last couple games, not that different. You know, the one that goes in ends up going off a leg in front because Radish is trying to clear the net front because there's a guy there. Like, you know, they got to the net. Vasilevsky couldn't deal with it very well. Um, their power play was at 28%, where in previous playoffs it was 13, 14. You know, just a few critical things changed a little bit. They weren't that far off in past years, so getting small improvements was enough to get them over the hump. In terms of Florida, you know, that's a, a very different matchup in that, well, the pressure's a little bit off the Leafs now, but Florida's humming, man. Like, I don't know if you followed that last stretch for them. Last 25 games of the year, they were one of the better teams in the league. You know, there are shades of St. Louis to them where, you know, you get hot at the right time with a team that has talent and anything can happen. And, you know, Kachuk and Barkov and Bennett and Reinhardt and Verhage and Ekblad and Montour, like they got guys. If they can get Bobrovsky to stop some pucks, they're, they're going to be a tough out. 
and Bob Bob was playing pretty well there when they when they called upon him in the second half of that uh yeah. that first round. Um and obviously to see the Bruins blow a 3-1 lead. Uh you know, also I mean, fun. If, if 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 Toronto's not going to do it, that's your next best option is the yeah. Bruins. Um you know, stepping back to, you know, your previous comments about Vasilevsky. Again, I read I read the article very well done. Uh if you, if you're wondering what article we're talking about, if you go to Justin's uh, Twitter page at uh, JT Bourne. Uh, it's his pinned tweet. Um, you know, you talk about a lot of the traffic set up in front that Vasilevsky, and obviously we're, uh, I'm a goaltender. My co-host is a goaltender. Uh, you know, it was never really an issue while watching that round of Vasilevsky, as you stated, not being square to pucks, not being, you know, not being out and being aggressive. It was really like you pointed out just Toronto being, you know, bothersome. Actually, that's like probably for lack of a better term, uh, in front, outside the blue paint, yeah. really getting in his face, really getting in his grill. And I think, you know, obviously not having Hedman, well, they didn't have Hedman for what one or two games. Just that. one, but, you know, he certainly, I think they just reported he had um, a hip impingement or something. He's been struggling yeah. a little bit. And then Saranac, no, no matter what you want to say about the player, you know, people at the Karma, you know, he's, he's thrown those hits all his entire career. Not having him, that's two of your top four defensemen not in your lineup. I think they're both – I want to say they both played on uh, – they're both paired together, were they not? They Often they were so thin after McDonough moved on that Chernak was kind of trying to anchor his own pair at one yeah. point. But, like, he was such a key part for them because they were so thin. So lo- losing him was yeah. a huge swing in the series. Especially especially in front of the net, to your point, again, in that yeah. article is – he, you know, he was one of those guys that didn't wasn't afraid to clean up the bodies in front. Was to, to create those lanes, uh, those lanes for Vasilevsky to see pucks coming from the blue line. Uh, and you know, granted, unfortunately, he went down. Bunting was suspended for three games. I thought Matthew Nice came in and played very well in his absence. Uh, but you know, you have to take advantage of those things when they happen. And you know, Toronto did, uh, and they created a lot of traffic in front of Vasilevsky to the point where he wasn't seeing these pucks at all. And I remember, I remember, I want to say it was a Mitch Marner shot for a deflection by Matthews, maybe yeah. in the season, if you might yeah. remember that one. It was perfect, perfect example, perfect example of how yeah. they were just creating really hell uh, for Vasilevsky in front. Uh, yeah, for sure. Blue paint. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did make him look human. And I think that, you know, I've always said, going into a, a, a round, as long as you have Vasilevsky in that, you have a chance. Well, they did the one thing they, they had to do to really get, you know, uh, give them a chance give themselves a chance in that series. And uh, they made him look human, but well, that's, they, they just relied too heavily on him, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they knew they had Vasilevsky and they said, you know, almost like they devalued their defense core at that point, you go to the deadline, you spend five picks to get Tanner Janot, Meanwhile, your decor is one injury away from being critically thin, and uh, you know it ended up costing them. Yep, exactly. And then again, moving on to the next round. Uh, obviously, we, we kind of touched on it, Toronto and Florida. Uh, how well does Toronto match up against Florida? Uh, I know we talked about Bob having to make some saves, but there's yeah. some players on that team, especially Matthew Kachuk, that are kind of born for playoff hockey with their style of hot, hot play. I think. You know, I've always said the first round is the most brutalizing round of hockey. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's where you get the most physical play. It's more loose. Uh, you're 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 probably going to see a fight or two here and there, um, where things start to tighten up beyond that round. But Matthew Kachuk is a guy who just was really born for playoff hockey. And how well does um, does Toronto match up against a guy like him? And 
you know, that blue line of his was that anchored by Ekblad. You know, they, he, when you're at this point of the season, every team you play is going to have elite guys, whether it's Braden Point and Kucherov and Stamkos, or it's, you know, Kachuk and Barkov, or, you know, every team at this point has those elite guys. And so, you know, you kind of hope that your elite guys are better than theirs, or at least neutralize them. It, you know, in this series, I think Florida has a speed advantage. They're fast. They forecheck really aggressively. But outside of that, I think one thing that gives Toronto an advantage is Tampa was super disciplined. Like they stay above the puck. They clog up the neutral zone. They make you come through guys. It's not a lot of fun to play offense. Like Florida's humming. And so that opens things up a little bit for Toronto to go the other way. And so Florida like creates offense at an elite rate. Like they're one of the best teams in the NHL at creating offense, but they also give it up the other way. And when your decor, you know, you got Mark Stahl and Josh Mahura and, you know, they got some names that are not, you know, Gudis, not elite, elite guys. And your goaltending is what it is. You're going to give up some chances. So I think you'll see a higher scoring series. Um, one that maybe Toronto is a little bit more comfortable in. And this may be the rare series. If you look back at Toronto's history, where they're the more structurally disciplined team. I actually, you know, I, I do like Toronto's odds in this series as much as, you know, I've got the bias of doing a leaf show every day. I can see a way that they match up pretty well here. I don't know what the hell that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, it's going to start to ring. Uh, uh, no, um, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I'm a big fan of Racco Gudas. Um, yeah. he's a guy like a piece, you know, we, we, we go back here in Buffalo that, you know, one of a, uh, a guy, at least his style of play, I think Buffalo could really use in their blue line in terms of offensively. I think their depth is incredible. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, where they fit in, but you know, yeah, you have Sam Bennett on your second, uh, your second line, uh, you know, where, I mean, where was, well, Verhaggy was playing on the top line with Barkov and Duclair. When, yeah, when, when they load up and they load up, you know, with Kachuk mm-hmm. and Barkov and Verhaggy, like they, they're, they got a elite, elite top few guys. Verhaggy yeah. scored like 42 this year, I think, and yeah. scored the OT winner. Um, you know, he's, they, they got guys, you know, so it's, uh, the Toronto decor has its work cut out for them. The, the best thing for them is that they used 8D in the last series pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think they have the opportunity to see what works and if they don't flip a couple of guys out and so, you know, for others. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I, the reason I was kind of taking a step back, I just didn't even realize Kachuk isn't even listed on the top line and they yeah. got hundred points this season. It's just, yeah. it's wild to me. And, you know, you have Anton Lindahl centering that third line with Sa- former Sabres, San Reinhardt. And, uh, I'm sorry if I always, I always butcher his name, uh, Luska Reinen. Sounds uh, right. Yep. It's close enough. And then. <laughs> Fourth line is, I mean, I don't know if he's a future Hall of Famer or not, but Eric Stahl centering with Dalpy and White. Like, yeah. the depth on that team is just absolutely incredible. And, um, again, I think that'll create, honestly, more problems for Toronto than Tampa, at least offensively. Yeah. I just, yeah, you know, I think game. a lot of Tampa, what they had going for them was they're Tampa Bay and they have the mythology of having one. And John Cooper's an elite, elite coach. Um, you know, like they, really being Tampa Bay as part of it. If you would look at their rosters and swap the jerseys, you know, you can convince me that this Florida team is better than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, thin, yeah, thin, thin decor, you know, the goaltending, you know, is a question mark this in this series anyway. It did. They just were kind of petered out from yeah. a lot of playoff runs. I think I would never, I would personally never take 
Bob over Vasilevsky just because right. it's Vasilevsky. Right. But to your other points, 100%, um, I think Florida is a better team on paper than Tampa Bay. Um, I, Tampa Bay has essentially played close to four seasons of hockey in three years. So true. They played an extra season yeah, worth I mean, having that. Like, yeah. Eventually, you know, I, I, I know, like, People kind of say that Tampa needs to blow that team up now. Like, no, they don't. They really don't. Like, their oldest player, their core, it'll be 33 next year. You know? Yeah. Vasilevsky's still 29 years old. He's still a lot of these guys who are still going to put up 90-plus points for you next year. Yeah, it sucks that you have almost no draft capital next in this next draft, and you're going to have to make some moves to get yourself under the uh, under the salary cap. But I, I, I don't think you really have to do a ton to that line. You, have to blow, you don't have to blow anything up. No, if, yeah, if they add a couple, another D-man or something. And actually, Radish played pretty well for them. Like, they're, I'm not worried. I'd be more worried about Tampa next year and they like would someone to reload. I thought Perbix came in and, and played very well for them, too. So. For sure. Yeah, and they had Hayden Flurry as their seventh. They're all right. Tampa's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, I, think, I think they're going to be all right. We're not as good as Buffalo next year, but they're going to oh, be well, We're, we're going to get into that shortly at the end, uh, not in, in a few minutes. But uh, uh, will will Samsonov hold up against Toronto? That's another question because I think that was Toronto's biggest question mark heading into the playoffs is will their goaltending be good enough? You kind of looked to Matt Murray to be the answer to start the season. He wasn't able to stay healthy. And now you kind of took a flyer out on Samsonov, you know, low risk, high reward, I guess you could say. Had a lot of had a lot of uh hype coming out of was the KHL when he was drafted by uh Washington. Yeah. Um, and you know, he never really lived up to it early on. And, you know, will he, you know, will he continue where he left off against Tampa? You know, he had moments where he looks really good and moments where he didn't, um, will, uh, will he pick, will, will he be able to, um, you know, handle himself as well as he did against Tampa, uh, against, you know, their, are they North, are they North or South of, uh, Tampa? Uh, no idea. I think they're, oh, yeah. they're south. Yeah. They're south. Yeah. I'm pretty you sure. Say south. South. The, yeah. The, the, that, then they're, then they're brothers from the North, I guess we'll say. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the Samsonov question is, I, I think when he's played poorly, he's had reason to be nervous. He played his worst game in Toronto when he went back to play Washington the first time he said he was nervous. Um, you know, in the first game or two, the first game in particular, the playoffs, he was just, you know, over pushing, aggressively I was sliding everywhere and you know just it wasn't pretty to watch and it's because he's too too engaged wants it too much I do think that winning around in a way where he was a key piece to getting the victory for them should give him the confidence that he can do this he's a good goalie you know and so yeah. you hope that he settles in now you know you always worry about him with injuries here or there but he's never really had the chance to be the guy like he is here in Toronto right now so big opportunity for him and um, you know, impressed with how he held up after a shaky start in game one last round. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually very interested to see how he plays. Again, I'm not rooting for for Toronto by any means at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a Sabres fan, I still live in the days of the late 90s, early 2000s rivalry when it was alive and really alive and well, uh, you know, back in the days of Hashik and then, you know, yeah. that Veranda Miller in terms of what we had in that. It was always fun, those games where Toronto – the fans would be in our arena and it would be a lot more even in terms of attendance. I'll tell you that much. It wouldn't look yeah. like a Toronto home game back then. Hopefully <laughs> not anymore. But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I like Samson off. Um, I'm always like a good underdog story. And I guess that's what you could say he is, you know, in terms of, you know, again, they took a flyer out on him hoping that he could reestablish himself as 
uh, a great goaltender or at least a good goaltending prospect. Right. I consider him that. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I don't know what Florida would have to do to, to, to get in his head. Um, but they do have players on that team like Matthew Kachuk and Sam Reinhart, who has really made his living and made his money in front of the net. You know, uh, they score, man. They're Samson's got his hands full, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. So that'll be interesting because I think that could be honestly an X factor for Toronto. Can their goaltending hold up? Because I don't think you're going to stop Matthews. You're not going to stop Marner. You're not going to stop Nylander. Uh, those guys, those guys are going to do their job. Uh, they, they showed up when you needed them. Tavares too, again, you know, against Tampa. Bet the over. Yep. <laughs> bet the over. You wouldn't be wrong. I, I, I really don't think you're. I'm not a betting man, yeah. but if you're hitting the over in Florida, Toronto, since Florida, Toronto series, I think you'd be doing making the right choice. Yeah. Uh, other second round matchups. Obviously, uh, we've seen the Bruins two nights ago blow a three one series lead against you know Toronto's uh, matchup of the Florida Panthers, um, and then. Uh, but the Rangers, obviously, last night uh, blew blew a 2-0 uh, early lead to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, what about that series interests you the most? Uh, and we actually have a pretty vested interest here in Buffalo. Lindy Ruff is behind the Devils bench. Um, we're really rooting for New Jersey just because of that. We'd like yeah. to get a cup. But, uh, you know, what interests you the most about that season? And um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of criticism to be handed out at the Rangers, especially for guys like Artemi Panarin. Yeah. You know, Panarin, I think he had one five on five point in the whole series and it was a secondary assist. Uh, you know, they, they went all in at the deadline, right? They go get Tarasenko and Kane. Um, you know, Kane had some points and was fine, but you know, yeah. expectations were super high for them and, uh, it's, it's a letdown. I'd be surprised if Gerard Gallant is the coach of that team tomorrow, you know, like yeah. I think, I think that'll happen at some point fairly soon, if I had to guess, because uh, they they really felt like they had a chance to win the cup after going to the conference mm-hmm. final, and you know they they watched Alexi Lafreniere, you know, you know number one overall draft pick, he zero goals, zero assists for the for the series. You know, they had some disappointing performances from, from some guys. So the other thing to note is like New Jersey's a new style, new NHL hockey team. They're fast. They're good. They're, you know, they're nasty, man. Like this, this Jersey team, when it has as good a chance as anyone to legitimately win the cup this year. Yeah. I, uh, I love everything about the, about New Jersey. Obviously they just brought in Luke Hughes. Um, I don't know. Did he get any time in, in that? I actually don't game? know. I, it was always on at the same time as the Leaf game. So I watched yeah. last night. It was like the I first know, game but I watched. Yeah. High on first round pick. Uh, Jack Hughes, who's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, yeah. um, elite top five in the league for sure. Um, the goaltending, uh, is it a, a skier? I, I don't even know. Uh, Akira Schmid. Akira Schmid. I, I, I butcher the name. Akira yeah. Schmid. Sounds like a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he played out of his mind, um, you know. And uh, again, I just, I, I look at it if I'm a Rangers fan. How disappointed you have to be, not just because of the moves you made to put yourselves in this position and not getting past the first round, but how disappointing is it the fact that you, you mentioned Lafreniere, one point in the entire – you have no no points in the no entire – No points, year. yeah. No points. Capo Caco, another very high-round draft pick who's never really panned out to expectations. Those are two guys that you have put a lot of stock in, uh, you know, draft – in terms of dra- the draft, and they haven't panned out at all. Like – where do their futures lie with this team? Are they, are they going to stick around? Or, I mean, are like, how much longer are you going to keep? I mean, is it, is it coaching? Like, I don't know. 
Well, they've they've had this thing where they've been like, all right, well, these guys will play kind of the third line role until they're ready to be first line guys. You know, now you're X years into their careers, four or whatever it is, and it's like, I'm not sure you're going to get first line guys here. So, you know, you either accept what they are or trade them, you know, while they still have that prospect sheen on them or, yeah, they got real decisions to make in New York. Yeah, 100 percent. And uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I was never very high on Lafreniere coming out of that draft. I thought. I mean, you could have went Byfield or Lafreniere at first overall, and I think you would have been, you know, you would have been happy. But I don't think I would ever expected either of those guys just not meeting expectations this many years removed from, from their yeah. draft class. I mean, people were even saying Lafreniere was generational. I never thought he was a generational player. No. No, certainly, not certainly not. Not a chance. Uh, the Avs uh, dropped their opening round to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, are you a crackhead? Are you all aboard, at least in the West, uh, for what's going on in Seattle? And um, yeah. would they be the next Golden Knights? I mean, the West, I think it's pretty wide open. I think it any, is. it's really anybody's anybody's opportunity to, to play for the play for the cup. Yeah, Colorado just too thin at the end. You know, Nona Chushkin, which Colorado never even commented on. Yeah, some, that's some like mess. <laughs> no Landeskog. You know, Codry's gone after the year. They're just they're a totally different team. Than the year before too many injuries too thin bad luck so seattle's fine everywhere they don't have any real weak spots and that was enough to get them through round one um and now you know a fairly gettable matchup in round two again so uh yeah you never know i'm, I'm not a big kraken believer as much as i was the golden knights back in the day but but yeah if the, the stars align you never know the golden knights were just a wagon the entire season i mean not that Seattle it wasn't a good team this year, but I think if you look on paper, I think the Golden Knights roster, at least back then, was much more formidable. And um, I don't know. I I, uh, I I I'm I I I hate the fact that the Golden Knights advanced past a playoff run. I hate the fact that Jack Lundgren played well. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like you said before we started recording, that makes for good hockey, good talk. So, but here us here in Buffalo, we want nothing, nothing, no part of it. So. But speaking of which, moving on uh, before we let you go, uh, yeah. looking to next year for the Sabers, uh, is the hype real? At least from an outsider looking in, um, you know the season that they had. Obviously, many fans might be a little bit critical of Kevin Adams uh, not doing enough at the deadline, seeing as you finished one point out of a playoff spot. Yeah, um, personally, I don't know if we would have beaten Boston, but I think we would have given them uh, given them a good matchup. I think we would have given them some problems, especially that we believe we finally found our goaltender in Devin Levi. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the Sabres? Obviously being in, being in the Ontario Toronto market, uh, you know, being pretty close to, I don't know how much ho Sabres hockey you watched this year, but um, how do you feel about the team going into yeah, just, just while you're talking, I was pulling up this, uh, I have the sport, sport logic stats on like where, you know, expected goals for and against per 60 and all that. And the Sabres already are in the tier of teams that scores at an elite level. Like, and that's probably the hardest thing to do. You know, like they're, mm -hmm. they're not too far behind. They're, they're kind of the dividing line between the Leafs, the Panthers, the Oilers, the Devils. And on the other side of them, it kind of, you know, you get the worst teams, um, you know, the Rangers, the Golden Knights, yeah. like they score at a, at a playoff level keeping the puck out of your net is a solvable problem to me. I think, you know, the, the, the key for them is, you know, patience is good, but at some point, I think the hardest thing to do is transition to saying, now we're trying to win the Stanley cup and they're there, right? That's where they are in their prog progression. And I would like mm -hmm. to see them get aggressive. I would like to see them add 
meaningful pieces from the outside to this roster, whether yeah. it is on the decor or, or even up front, as you mentioned, like Levi is your guy. He's going to be your guy. And, you know, uh, Ukapeka Lucan in there, he can, you know, be a part of the team, I assume, as a backup. I don't know his situation as well. A lot of, a lot of people are skeptical about him. Are um, they? Uh, here's the thing. I think on the blue line, I don't think we were tough enough remotely, yeah. clearly, especially in front of our own net. Uh, I think a lot of our, our, our positions, if you really want to take a deep dive into it, uh, was it goaltending? Yes. Consistency? Yes. I mean, Craig Anderson himself, you know, for his age, had a great year uh, and and finished it off in storybook fashion in the Goathead jersey at the against his former team, uh, yeah. Ottawa, at the end of the year. I was at that game. It was it was a great experience, and I'm, I was happy I was there to experience it. But uh, I would say defensively is the bigger issue because there was a lot of puck watching happening in, in, below the dots in front of our own net. Um, kind of, you know, not keeping it simple, picking up sticks, stick checking, just like very yeah. soft play below the dots on our own end all year long. Um, then Devin kind of showed up and they started to clean some of that stuff up or Devin just made them look better because he was able to make those saves. But in terms of UPL, I've never, I've never been a UPL stand. Like I'm yeah. not, a guy who's been, oh, we have to have him. You know, yeah. He, yeah. You know he's, he's not the he's not the problem, but he's absolutely an NHL goaltender. Yeah. Um, I think that he. I'm not saying you would have an Olmark Swayman situation here next year, but I but think you can back up on an entry level. Then great. Yeah, I, I think you treat it like that. Yeah, I think you treat it like that. I think you treat it like he's at one more year left on his deal. It's only a one year, one way contract. If you're if you're telling me we're going into the next next season with Devin Levi and UPL as our number one and number two. I'm fine with it. Uh, I know Comrie's still under contract too. So I don't know how they figure that that out, but um, yeah. You know, the the other part is just looking at the, you know, they get, they gave up chances at a level with Chicago Columbus, like the bad team. So, you know, that is the, the issue to clean up. But again, that's much more solvable than having the talent. You have a, maybe uh, any team in the NHL might say, if you could start your decor with Darlene and Power, and then anything after that, they might say, we'll scrap our whole decor and we'll take that option. So you love that you have those two guys. I, I'm going to write something about the toughest thing to do is to transition from we're a bad team tanking and trying to add prospects to a cup contender because there has to be years in the middle where you're okay. And the Sabres did that. They got... Last year, they were a playoff cusp team. They, you know, you're not getting the high draft pick. You have to get there first. No one sucks and then wins the cup. So this is like their progression. They got to that sort of line for me last year. And then it gets harder. It's like in golf, when you're like a 30 handicap, it's not that hard to become a 20 with time, effort, lessons, whatever. You want to become a 10 from a 20, it's pretty hard. Yep. You want to become a 10 to a zero. It's a whole other thing. And so the Sabres are, they're, you know, we we'll call them a 20, call them a 15, wherever you think they are. This is the tough part. Now you're in the class with the Leafs and with Tampa next year, probably with Boston next year. Tough division. It's a tough division. So how do you become 4% better? It hasn't mattered for the Sabres when they've been not very good if they got 4% better. It matters now. So now it's on Adams, and now you find out if your GM is worth the salt when he makes the moves to make you better, better, better by increments. I love, I love that point about Adams, and you, like, you, like you said, if is he worth the salt? Because in terms of signing what he already has in the house, he's done a great job. I think 
Tage Thompson could turn out to be the next Nathan McKinnon contract. You know, oh, for sure. It's already this one of the yeah. stupidest contracts in the league. Yeah, he's seven point two million in you know, if not for injury twice this year, he's a fifty goal scorer without a doubt. Like he missed he's, a little bit of time. He he's probably, a fifteen million dollar player next year. Yeah, hundred percent. Darlene, we'll see where he comes in at this offseason. I know they're already starting conversations with Owen Power and his agent. Um, but again, you got Dylan Cousins at seven point one. Yeah. Um, I wanna say uh, Matisse Samuelson's at around four million or so. He's a top line pair defenseman for you, and he's a big reason why Darlene is able to be so effective. Because, mm-hmm. and I'm not—that's not me taking anything away from from Dolls. It's just you know when you have a stay-at-home guy like him that you know plays such an honest game in his own end, it gives you the opportunity for a guy like Darlene to be very creative offensively, to be more dynamic, and to be take more risks. Yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see even more so with better goaltending next year. Uh, but you, I have guys like Kyle Ocposo who are near the end of their career. Um, he hasn't decided they, they, they left the door open for him to come back at the, the captain of the team. Personally, if it's me, if you're bringing back Kyle Ocposo, I'm hard pressed to keep the C on his Jersey, just because you handcuff yourself in a situation there where if he is not keeping up halfway into the season, how can you sit your captain? Right. You know, as a healthy scratch. You know, maybe you go the co-captain route like you did back in the day of Greer. I don't know. But for me, if if you're looking at a lineup that won't include Gergensen's or Akposo next season. Yeah. um, You guys have Yuri Kulik, who, you know, set records in the AHL this year as an 18-year-old for scoring. Um, They have so much capital uh, between Matthew Savoy, I guess Yuri Kulik, uh, Noah Osland, and um, Isaac Ruzin. All former first round picks. I think personally, you're so top, you're so heavy for at the forward position coming in next year that maybe you entertain just trading your first round pick for help now in this draft, just because I mean, outside of the defense, which I think that's where you're the most thin at. Uh offensively, I think you're fine. You you mentioned you're already scoring at a playoff rate. Yeah. Uh, maybe trade that first round pick for uh, an established defenseman right now because yes. that's you can start to do things like that now. 100%. There and it's it's for me as a Sabres fan who's, you know, as as diehard as I am, it's high, finally it's hard to believe we're finally there. <laughs> like yeah. we're finally there. Yeah, you're there. You were there. Or we can finally talk about trading first round picks for players and not yeah. stockpiling draft picks anymore. It's a nice feeling, but I do agree with you. It's t- it, I think this offseason is really where you can for the first time really judge Adams and if he's meant to be in this position. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what the Sabres do. I will say they're already one of my favorite teams to watch. You know, as a fan, at least you guys have something that has been enjoyable this past season. Um, it's they're they're a really fun team. I, I would like a couple of years before the Leafs start to really stink. Uh, I would like the Sabres to get really good, and I'd like to have a couple of a couple of good battles over the next two seasons, three seasons. If uh, you know, it, you know, if if Toronto, you know, obviously if they don't get past the second round, um, and things don't really change next year, do you see Austin Matthews leaving? Um, I you know that's a genuinely a tough to to answer. I I can't see it happening, but like he's uh, if they don't win and don't have success, you you never know. So. I'm not going to sit here and say it'll never happen. It's a, it's a possibility. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they're building a nice brand new arena back at home where he lives. Connor Bedard. Yeah, Connor Bedard in Arizona. Connor Bedard could end up being an Arizona Coyote. I'm a big conspiracy theory guy. Uh, I think. I think. I think the NHL wants Connor Bedard in Arizona 
because they've tried so hard for so long to get hockey to work there. Uh, I think, you know, that could be a lot of fun to watch with the talent they have there already. Maybe some Connor Bedard. Off be humiliating for the NHL if the generational player of Connor Bedard plays three seasons in a college barn in front of 4,800 people. I thought they're going to have that arena up and running, ready to go after next year. No, 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 no. They're oh, in I, oh then never mind then. No. They're in mullet for three more years. They are. Okay. I'm, no. I was mistaken. I thought I read that they were out. They were done after next season they should be <laughs> if they I, you know if they do that then it's possible but i just can't see how you can put you know how's that for hockey related revenue that you got a must-see guy they sold out like an eighteen thousand rank building in regina to watch this kid play you know <laughs> like yeah you got to put him somewhere people can can watch him i remember when it was Tavares's draft year and me and some friends drove up a, up a couple of times up north to go see him play at uh, one time after he was traded to the london knights yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool. The, the guy was the real deal. But, I mean, he, obviously he's had a great career, but yeah, Connor Bedard is just on a different level. And sure. uh, I, I, I'm excited to see where he ends up. But, I, again, I my mistake, I thought that Marino was going to be done after next season. Uh, yeah. Still not still not approved by Tempe yet. They're working on it. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, thanks for hopping on with me, Justin. Um, again, if you guys want to check out his book, down and back on alcohol family and life in hockey. You can get that at Penguin Random House Canada, uh, or hopefully any really anywhere else you can get your get your books uh, up north. Yeah, probably. Barnes and Noble, it's there. Barnes and Noble, yeah, exactly. So, is this your second book? No, it's my first one. Dave, you book. Okay. It, it, well, no, because I was reading uh, for readers of nine lessons I learned from my father in hockey confidential. It's just in the description. I thought maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Second book. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's his first book, um, you know, from the cliff notes I've read, it looks to be great. Um, I was a big fan of A Matter of Inches by Clint Malarchuk and then Rick Vives' book as well. Um, so I'll in this. Huh? Looks like that. There you go. <laughs> if I buy one, can I get one autographed? By just- yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, fun- actually funny, I'm sure you get this every once in a while, but uh, I said, I told my girlfriend on the phone uh, before going, I was like, yeah. I'm going into work a little bit late, having uh, Justin Bourne from Sportsnet on. He's like, wait, you're having Jason Bourne on? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it's like, uh, I always do want to say Jason. but and Listen, it's uh, I was saying at the Sportnet studios in, in wardrobe, it says Jason Bourne above my clothes, and I just let them. I don't bother changing why, it. Yeah, why bother? Yeah, exactly. I hear it so much anyway. It's all good. Honestly, it's he's the biggest badass in <laughs> yeah. history. I don't care what anybody yeah, Call says. me John Wick. I don't care. As I say, it's him and John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, if you're if you if you're one of those movie guys that wants to see a a battle of two characters, I think them two are it. That's got to be it for sure. But yeah. thanks again, just uh, Justin, for uh, hopping on with me. Um, hopefully, it's not as long in between episodes this time around. Uh, we'll get you on maybe hopefully sooner, uh, maybe next season, you know, beginning of next season, or maybe you know around the around the finals if you have time. That'd be great, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Justin. This has been episode 123 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on George Urban Boulevard for all your out for all your uh, adult beverage needs on NHL game night. Uh, go to Outlet Liquor. Tell them the guys from Two Goalies, One Mike sent you. Uh, Justin, uh, you have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies on Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? 
Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.